Whoa, wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. That was, you know, it was a laser. I thought Bennington played well tonight, too, very well, and that was a laser. Patterson into the blue zone. Arm the laser. I'm in the laser! Lefford shoots, he scores! Elias Patterson goes coast to coast and wins it in overtime for the Vancouver Canucks. What do you call it? He shoved it up my butt, you know, <laughs> which I like. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. <laughs> Good morning, Vancouver. 6.01 on a Friday. Sweet, sweet Friday. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Sportsnet 650 studios, the Kintec Footwear Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Now, you'll note watchers of the Halford and Bruff show on the Sportsnet Now app. There we are. Oh, man. I have two computers today. In some countries, it's a sign of wealth and opulence to have this many electronics in front of you, but they don't show up on screen. In this country, it's a sign of inefficiency. Yeah, that's right, and bulkiness. This mm. one especially. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Jason, believe yes. it or not, he's walking on air. Tell them about Kintech. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over, we all know how many, 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Big show ahead on the Halford & Bruff experience. Halbro, if you will. By the way, check out the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket right now, Jason. It's popping. There are about eight, I know, eight texts already, and it's only 6.02 on a Friday. Yeah, it's it's good. Show ask more excitement. Any, it's ask, Play along. Well, well it's, show more it, excitement. It's good. It's ask us anything Friday. We got a, a lot of good questions. I'm sure you won't flag any, but I, I have two I, computers to flag I, them with. I'm, okay, well, that's double the not flagging. Okay, uh, seven o'clock. That's when the guest list begins on today's show. Joe Haggerty from Boston Hockey Now is going to join us on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Bruins are in the news. Big trade yesterday with the Washington Capitals. To get Dmitry Orloff and Garnet Hathaway in the door, and they of course play the Vancouver Canucks tomorrow, seven o'clock Rogers Arena. A dog. Uh, I've already said good morning, but I will now. Let's turn the page. Uh, ticket giveaway. We're giving away tickets to that game, and what else today? Guns and Roses. Very nice. Yeah. Last day for the Guns and Roses. Giveaway, it is correct? the last day for the Guns and Roses tickets. Yes. So if you want to get tickets to either of these events, Guns and Roses later in the fall in October, or the Bruins Canucks game on Saturday. Text the What We Learned to the Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650. Rose emoji for the Guns N' Roses tickets, ticket emoji for the Canucks tickets, or both emojis to be entered into the grand prize draw for both. If you want to be welcome to the jungle is how you should have said it. (laughs) Please text in. Well played, A-Dog. Well played. Uh, 7 o'clock, Joe Haggerty to talk Bruins. 7.30, Kevin Woodley to talk Vancouver Canucks from In Goal Magazine. And at 8 o'clock, Vanny Sartini is going to join the program. That's because his Vancouver Whitecaps get their MLS regular season underway on Saturday at BC Place, a 7.30 start. How confident were you at the end of last season that we would be doing intros 
or interviews with Vanny Sartini as manager of the Whitecaps? Great question. Uh, we, not... we, should, we should ask Vanny that. Yeah. How surprised are you that you still got the job? We, were, we went to that uh, Christmas dinner with the Whitecaps, and I remember thinking, I'm like, hey, Vanny's still here. That's pretty good. I wasn't sure if he was going to last the entire time. Mm-hmm. Do you think winning that Canadian championship might have saved his job? Yes, and that late push that they had to kind of get back into playoff contention. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> Vanny, there it is, to, <laughs> yeah, to kind of get back into playoff contention. That's exactly how I've classified it with the Canucks last year. Did they get back in? No, but they kind of got back into playoff contention. So working in reverse for today's show, 8 o'clock, Vanny Sartini, 7.30, Kevin Woodley, 7 o'clock, Joe Haggerty. You'll note that we don't have a guest in the first hour of the program, and that is because we have so much stuff to get to. It was a wild night in the NHL. The out-of-town scoreboard was going crazy. So without further ado... Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? Canucks win! Canucks win! What a comeback victory over the St. Louis Blues last night. Elias Pettersson scored 15 seconds with 15 seconds left in overtime. And that was after his good buddy Andre Kuzmenko scored with 29 seconds left in regulation to tie it up. Canucks rallied for a 3-2 win over the St. Louis Blues at the Enterprise Center, where you've been before on Thursday night. Yeah, that's not exactly something you brag about, but uh, <laughs> there was a little more energy the last time I was there than there was uh, last night. I was mm-hmm. there for the Stanley Cup Final a few years ago. Um, it was a wild night in the NHL, and we'll get to some of the scores around the league. But that includes the Canucks-Blues game in St. Louis. It wasn't wild the whole night in St. Louis, but this is the Canucks. And and, and for the most part, the Canucks make things interesting um, late in games, either by coming back to make games interesting or by blowing leads spectacularly. And last night, it wasn't the Canucks that blew the lead. It was the St. Louis Blues. And we can talk a bit about the Blues because they looked awful Mm -hmm. last night so even after a couple of close reviews went against the Canucks and John Garrett Cheech was 0 for 2 on on calls and it was a tough night for the replays not for Shorty Shorty absolutely (laughs) loved it he's like wow Cheech 0 for 2 that's too bad Uh, the Canucks once again fought back from a two goal deficit to force overtime this time unlike the other night in Nashville the Canucks won it when Petey raced down the left wing and ripped a wrister past Binnington with just 15 seconds left in sudden death, we had a text into the show. I think it was from Julio the Orange Julius Maker. Julio the Orange Julius Maker. That's cool that his name's Julio and he works yeah. at Orange Julius. That's why they hired him. Julio, came, he's like, I, I want a job here. What's your name? Julio, you're hired. Oh, my God. Yes, you're hired. Uh, Julio texts in, that OT goal was the most excited I've been for a Canucks goal all season. I did a silent fist pump signature game from PD assist to tie the game. Game-saving puck block on the empty net. Absolutely dominant game-winning goal. Take that. Team Tank, um, I think Petey, here's my theory on Petey, um, he was upset with the goal that I don't want to say he allowed, but he didn't defend it very well. The shorthanded goal where it was Quinn Hughes that made the first mistake, bad mistake, tried to pass it back to Petey at the point. Petey was at the point, and Hughes was on the sideboards. Uh, Hughes's pass got easily picked off. I think it was Buknevich that picked it off, and then Petey was like, uh-oh, I'm a defenseman now. 
Not and great. It, and it feels like I'm going to have to backwards skate a lot. No, no, no. I'm just going to go for a wild stab at the puck. He missed it. Uh, Buknevich uh, passed it to his. What was his? What was his name? Tor- Torupchenko. 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 Torp. I, just call him Torp. 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 Yeah. And Torp. then Torp scored. So my my theory on that was PD was so upset mm-hmm. with that play that he was like, "I'm making up for it," and make up for it he did. Um, he connected with JT Miller on a nice two on one to make it. Two to one for St. Louis after St. Louis had got off to a two nothing lead, um, and then just like Tuesday in Nashville, it was Kuzmenko who gave the middle finger to Team Tank. He scored his twenty seventh of the season with just twenty second twenty nine seconds left. wasn't as pretty as his goal to tie the Nashville game, but it was once again one of those goals where you watch it and you're like, it, he is where he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And he's in front of the net, banging away at rebounds. And that's what goal scorers do in the NHL. Um, so overall, listen, if you're not on if you're not on team tank, I'm sure you enjoyed that. Like Petey was world class last night. Yeah. He, he, again, he really again was. is the important part to and, me. And the Canucks outshot the Blues badly last night, 41 to 22. Was some of that score effects? Some of it was, but right from the very start, the Canucks were the better team on the night and it was funny Rick Tockett got asked afterwards, did it, you know, did you feel like you got the uh, the result that you earned? And he said, "Yeah, I th- I think we deserve to win." That being said, I wasn't very happy with how we defended mm-hmm. on the goals we allowed. So the Canucks might have had the territorial play, but even when you have the territorial play, you can't let up in the few times that the opposition is making its forays into your end. Uh, Archer Seelofs picked up his second win with 20 saves on 22 shots. He's now started three games, and he's won two of them. Uh, Atu Ratu played. But we didn't get to see him much. Only 8.06 of ice time. No mistakes. No mistakes. The youngster. Yeah, I, I didn't really I didn't really notice much from Ratu. Uh, and that's probably not such a bad thing. I think when you watch him skate, you know, even you don't have to be a skating expert to, to watch him and be like, yeah, it's a little bit of an awkward stride. So he's going to have to work on that. We all know that, though. Brisebois. Played two, replacing Stillman. He only played 12 minutes and 27 seconds. So once again, like Tuesday in Nashville, I keep saying once again, like Tuesday in Nashville, um, Rick Tockett really rode his big guns. Yes, the game went to overtime, so the ice times are going to be um, somewhat inflated, but Quinn Hughes played 30 minutes. JT Miller had another workhorse night with almost 25 minutes Mm -hmm. of ice time, and Miller was really good. Yeah, and really, really good, and and I think um, Miller has gotten better as the season has progressed. Yeah, I think there's some very noticeable eyeball changes under Rick Tockett's brief tenure as head coach. I know it might not always necessarily play out statistically, and part of that is small sample size. But you talked about um, the Canucks territorially and shot metrics they all played the blues last night but Tockett relayed the anecdote that when he went into the room especially after the second period he got on the guys he didn't like the way they defended some of the goals and to me that's a great sign of a guy that is constantly pushing and realizes that this season really is more about instilling particular work ethics and 
um, standards and where they want to be as a team, what they want to do, right? So beating a not-great St. Louis Blues team, you could say, hey, look, you uh, dominated territorially against the Blues. You got you only allowed two goals, which for this team is a minor miracle, and they did it with Archer Silovs and mm-hmm. Nat, but there's still more that Tockett wants from the group, and I think it's just about style of play, and really, when you listen to him enough times, and it'll still grow old after a while, but for now, it's still kind of new and interesting, just hammering home how important defending is and the way they want to defend specifically, right? Well, I'd like to point out Sheldon Dries' night. He only played, I think, 10 minutes, but he had two really big and painful blocks earlier in the game. I was watching the game, and I'm like, oh, that hurts. I wonder if he's going to be back from that. And later on, he gets in a fight. Yeah. So you know how Faber does those dog rankings or whatever? Sheldon was top dog last night, I'd have to imagine. Was he top dog? He had to be. Well, I, I don't even know how what goes into yeah, those dog see, rankings. Seeing that I don't know the algorithm, and yeah. quite frankly, I'm not going to learn it, uh, he was top dog No, but night. when we talk about like this team needs to block more shots and needs to sacrifice more for each other, needs to you know do that sort of thing, I mean, Sheldon Dries, who's not a particularly important player on the team, but good for him for getting in front of two shots and painful shots, and then when he was challenged, he dropped the gloves. So, mm-hmm. um, l- listen, if it weren't for Team Tank, if it weren't for Connor Bedard specifically being available in this draft, we'd be looking at, it, at that game and going, you know what, even if it hurts the Canucks draft position, good for them because there was a lot on display last night. Some people will still be like that. Some people just don't like Team Tank. I'm like that. That's me. Yeah, but, but but you recognize, though, even though you don't like the idea of Team Tank, you recognize that a game like last night could very well hurt the Canucks' chances to land Connor Bedard. Statistically, yes. But I look at a big picture and I say, are the takeaways, Jason, are the takeaways from last night's victory more valuable to this group moving forward than a couple of percentage chances likelihood to drafting Connor Bedard? I guess my answer to that was would be, depends how many of the players on that team last night are part of the group going forward anyway. So that's a good point. You know, That's a good point. That's a fair, that's a fair one. Like, like Sheldon, I'm not worried about Petey learning lessons. Like, no, Petey already I, I knows like to how see to the play, elevation, right? though. I like to see him continually play... Like he's God, he was good last he's night. He's multi-point guy every night now. He needs to make a mistake early in every game right. so that he's motivated to make up for it. Um, on that note, because <laughs> Rick Tockett had a doozy of a quote last night, but let's play the Tockett audio um, about just praising Petey and the rest of the guys on the work that they put forth last night, and then you can bookend it with uh, what Petey did to him last night here now. Rick Tockett, head coach of the Vancouver Canucks after a comeback 3-2 victory over the St. Louis Blues on Thursday night. The character win. A lot of guys showed up tonight. Uh, thought the D played well. Thought Petey in the third led. You know, I thought Millsy had a great game. I mean, Kuzi, you know, Mr. Clutch. I mean, there's a lot of guys. I thought they, uh, the role players, the almond line was good. Pods Colson was good in the third. Like, you know, we didn't have any passengers, which is, which is really... When you're a good, you know become a good team, that's what you need. Well, I, it was a, that line. You know, they, I love I love those guys, but they got to defend a little harder. But you know, he what do you call? He shoved it up my butt. You know, <laughs> which I like. You know, I, I, call, I, went, I went after him, and he he did a hell of a job on the PK, and then he does a, he scores a big overtime. So good for him. 
I'm sorry. We, what was that? Are we not doing phrasing? What was that? What did he say? <laughs> Anymore? Excuse me? I noticed that the exact social media did not include that quote. Yeah, funny that. that quote. <laughs> yeah. They cut it <laughs> off. Yeah. Yeah. Shoved it up my butt, you know, which I like. Which I, which I like. I, you know what? <laughs> I I've, been like. a, I've been a fan since day one. At least yeah. he specified. Yep. That was the best part is he thought about it. He's like, no, I'm going to roll with this. And it's what I like. There's a second like. after, too, where you can hear him take a breath in where he's reflecting on what he said yeah. and he's going... Oh man, you're gonna have fun with that one tomorrow. <laughs> I'm in it now. Okay. Did, did did you see the clip I sent you, the Charles Barkley one? Because it reminded me of that. Oh yeah, I've I've it seen from, that clip before. Like, I didn't it watch from, it. It was from like a a year ago when when Shaq, when he said something about like I don't even want to say it, but it was it involved banging. Yeah. No banging away in the post. Yeah, but, I do and, remember this. And, now. And, yeah. and 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 when someone is banging you. Mm-hmm. And then Shaq just starts <laughs> completely lost it. Like you just saw him giggling. Like he was like he was completely uh, like almost turtled yeah. laughing. That's basically our show in a nutshell. Any yeah. double entendre that's out there, <laughs> we're rolling with it. Like we can't. You, it any- would be nice if we could find that clip now that uh, I, I, I I've thrown it out there and probably not done it justice. Maybe we can play it at the end of the segment. Okay. At any rate, uh, well, I did want to. Transition from you. You thought Rick Tockett would have won the quote of the night for NHL coaches, but he didn't even get the quote of the night from NHL coaches in his own game because afterwards, and I kind of was taken aback by this a team that is clearly playing out the string in the St. Louis Blues, having traded Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko, they're not making the playoffs. They're double digits points out. They're kind of spinning their wheels as well. Craig Berube took a flamethrower to that team in the post game and it's two separate clips he actually kind of starts piling on and he doesn't say their names but it's very clearly he's going after um robert thomas and jordan Cairo, which he's been going after pretty much all season and then at the end of his media availability he doubled back just for good measure so we've got we got the two we'll just play them back to back you know what we'll just smash them together Sm- that's the way i like it just smashing them together here is craig berube uh, taking a flamethrower to the st louis blues following a 3-2 loss to the vancouver canucks on thursday night a lot of our best players not doing the job what do you think that's the case i don't know you have to ask them jim i guess they don't care about the team i don't know so not you, sure why you, you you've talked a lot about uh effort and compete level, I'm guessing you, you didn't see that in nearly enough guys tonight, right? No. Handful of guys, that's it. Goalie for sure. Your young guys, do you feel like they're giving you what you're looking for? Yep. Mm-hmm. What about Kyra Thomas, one assist combined? Not good enough. Not, not, not even close. Our best players don't play with any passion, no emotion, and no no inspiration at all. They don't play inspired hockey. You cannot play in this league without emotion, grit, and being inspired. Um, they're getting paid lots of money, and they're not showing. They're not doing the job. End of story. That's it. That's what it boils down to. And then he walked away from the podium, quite angry at his squad. So just to recap, uh, he suggested that they don't care about the team. They have no passion, inspiration, or energy. That they're getting paid a lot of money and they're not getting the job done. 
Other than that, they're doing great. That, Kairu, Kairu wasn't part of the Stanley Cup team, was he? I think Robert Thomas might have had like a, a bit part. He was just a, he was just a young guy then. Uh, but Kairu wasn't a part of that. That was led by Ryan O'Reilly and Alex Petrangelo and, and David Perron. Yeah, the, Tarasenko the, the, was there. Jaden the, Schwartz the was there. The previous regime. Yeah, call it. or the previous era. Yeah. Um, it's still the same regime because it's still the same GM and yeah. still the same head coach. But, you know, I, I, I was watching the Blues last night and obviously focusing mostly on the Canucks. But I think any time, and I'm sorry if this comes off the wrong way, but any time the Canucks go into another arena and dominate the other team, it's kind of like, whoa, what's going on with that team? Mm-hmm. That's fair. And, and watching <laughs> that Blues team, having watched them really closely just a few years ago when they won the Stanley Cup, one of the most passionate and inspiring Stanley Cup runs that I've seen in a while. Yeah. Just from a team that we all know wasn't ultra talented, but they came together as a group and they out Bruins the Bruins in the Stanley Cup final. Like they were the tougher team. Absolutely. And and they went into Boston of all places for game seven and won and won that game like Boston did to Vancouver in twenty eleven. And it was impressive. And some people were like, wow, they just came out of nowhere. Well, they didn't. They'd, they'd been building something there, and they got off to a tough start that year, and they made the coaching change, and then they caught, they caught on fire. But that was, a, that was a really committed group of hockey players that played a specific way under Craig Berube. Was it pretty to watch? No, not particularly, but it was impressive to watch in that they played that heavy – physical style Mm -hmm. and just got the job done oftentimes through sheer will. So fast forward to a few years from now, why do you think Craig Berube is so upset when he watches his young players who are getting paid, both been extended with big, big contracts, Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas, who didn't really have anything to do with that Stanley cup run. No. Why is he so upset with them? Because he knows like those guys have a long way to go. If you can't get up physically and mentally for a a home game against Vancouver, like how are you going to compete? How are you going to get yourself to the level that you, you need to be in the playoffs, which the Blues will be missing anyway? Yeah, and I mean, I think the big issue right now is we talked to Jeremy Rutherford about this team yesterday, not to belabor the Blues too much here, but they definitely are ready to rebuild or sorry, retool on the fly. Like, that's what it sounds like. That's what they're going to do. And it's going to be around these two guys. That's why the, the remarks last night to me were, one, so scathing, and then two, so important to highlight because – if you're going to build around two guys that your coach is this openly critical of, you've got issues as an organization for sure because they're going to have to do a lot to get back in the coach's good graces. Most coaches would have the wherewithal to not go all in in a season where you've got so many baked-in excuses as to why you're going to miss the playoffs and why you're not playing well and why you got dominated by a Vancouver team mm-hmm. on a Thursday night. But he did not hold back. And I think it's very they're going to be a very interesting team to watch over the next eight days as they go into deadline and then into this offseason is what direction they take. It's Ask Us Anything Friday on the Halford & Bruff Show, so feel free to text in any question you have into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner and Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver online at Dunbar Lumber. 
Um, we can go into the Dunbar Lumber text line uh, when we come back and we can ask some, we can answer some of your questions, whether they be about the Canucks or sports or life or whatever. But I also want to go around the league mm-hmm. because last night was a wild night in the NHL. Very good for some teams, but very bad for others. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Breaking down the biggest trends in hockey, the Hockey PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Instead of going around him, he's just banging and banging and banging. When a guy's banging you, you don't you spin off of him. Those are the worst defenders to play against, actually. Because if you can feel their body, uh, come on. 18 points for Joker, only nugget in double figures. 69-59, Golden State shooting 67 You're way out of order right now. I'm way out Back at the pool party. You're way out of order, man. What do you call it? Shoved it up my butt, you know, which I like. 6.30 on a Friday. That's our kind of humor, folks. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Uh, Halford and Bruff, Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. <laughs> Come on. Come on. That, you, we almost need the video on that. Yes. Because the Chuckster, he knows what he said. Talking about the guy behind him banging him. And he can see Shaq laughing. And he's trying to keep it together to explain and, his and, point. And then he made it worse. He's like, and then you feel their body. Yeah. When he's banging you <laughs> from he's, behind. Come on. Come on. Uh, Halford and Breath of the Morning is brought to you by when the Delari. When a guy's banging you. The, <laughs> the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, I need to tell everybody about a big event coming up not too far away. The 2023 RBC JCC Sports Dinner is coming up on March 28th. Update your wall charts accordingly. You can be a part of the dinner by entering the 50-50 draw and the Do It Cadillac raffle on now. Visit sportsdinnerraffle.com for tickets. This year's guest speaker brought to you by ZLC. It's none other than Gronk. Yes, Rob Gronkowski. Not any of the brothers. Rob Gronkowski. Gronk. Coming to Vancouver. For full info, go to jccsportsdinner.com. Okay. Uh, You mentioned going to break. A wild and wacky night in the National Hockey League. I actually got, I'm starting to get excited because it's it's a rite of passage in Vancouver. Usually happens around February where the Canucks are completely out of contention and you turn your focus to the rest of the league, which you've kind of neglected at times because you're so hyper-focused. And this year, especially with all the drama and endless like rumors and innuendo and the big trade of Bo Horvat, you've been very focused on the Vancouver Canucks only to realize My word, there's a lot going on around the NHL. And right now, a lot of teams are hitting that crisis point, that tipping point, including the Pittsburgh Penguins. So you know how the Vancouver Canucks went into St. Louis last night and dominated the Blues? The Edmonton Oilers did that exact same thing to the Pittsburgh Penguins, but much worse. Yep. The Oilers went into Pittsburgh and beat them 7-2. to And it was over fairly early. Like Chris Letang actually opened <laughs> yeah, the scoring for the Penguins, and then the Oilers scored seven straight goals. So at one point it was seven to one in Pittsburgh for the Oilers, and the final shots on goal were Edmonton forty-four, Pittsburgh 
24. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a Penguins team that still has a reasonable chance of making the playoffs. And we talked the other day, man, if they could have only held on to those two leads, two separate leads that they had on Bo Horvat and the Islanders, but they blew them. And I wonder if that affected them mentally because last night they were dreadful. Yeah. And it even got to the point where the fans were chanting fire Hextall. Ron Hextall is the GM there. He has not been on the job all that long, but we all know the expectations in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. They only recently won back-to-back Stanley Cups. I know their their key guys are getting older, but that was the decision that this team made. This team made the decision to go all in, or did they, with re-signing Malkin and re-signing Chris Letang and bringing in other older guys like a Jeff Petrie. They kept Brian Rust. Like They kept the band together. Mm-hmm. So I think what's frustrating for people in Pittsburgh is they're sitting there going, listen, like we're at the end of the rope with this team. Let's try and squeeze whatever we can out of this era that has been so successful with Sid and Gino and Latang, And let's just throw every future we've got yep. because we all know it's going to be ugly. When Sid retires or Latang, you know, like we all know it's going to be ugly. It's mm-hmm. going to be like, you remember when uh, Lidstrom first retired and then Zetterberg went and then Datsuk went? I can't remember the order it went, but like we all, we all knew it was going to get ugly in Detroit, right? And, they, and they're still battling back. So everyone knows it's going to be bad for Pittsburgh. So why not just throw everything at this current group? Here's the thing. Ron Hextall seems to want to keep his first-round draft picks. So there's an article that Rob Rossi wrote. He's a Pittsburgh reporter. And just published this morning in The Athletic. And it seems like there's a pretty big disagreement between Mike Sullivan, the head coach who's been there for a long time, has won Stanley Cups, knows what it takes to win Stanley Cups, and Ron Hextall, the current general manager. Sullivan wants them to go out and do stuff. Spend those first-round picks on Jacob Chikrin, for example, because mm-hmm. their defense needs improvement. Um, and Ron Hextall so far seems to be like, no, 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 we got to think about the future. And everyone else is like, no, you don't. Yeah, if you want a real paint-by-numbers analysis, uh, this is kind of shaping up to be Sullivan versus Hextall. And things might have come to a head last night when, and we've got the audio, warning for the listeners you sonically challenged folks out there the audio they're not the greatest quality but we're gonna play it anyway because the message is important fourth straight loss for the penguins last night they're now minus three goal differential on the year it's not going well sullivan says this was a big step backwards for us and he also says the important line our roster is our roster we'll play the audio and come back on discuss on the other side this is mike sullivan after a 7-2 loss penguins suffered to the oilers last night Michael, you've been very patient with a lineup that hasn't done a lot of winning lately. Why have you been that patient, and might you be running out of that patience at this point? Well, our roster is our roster. Right. So we have what we have, and we're trying to put the best combinations on the ice that we think give us the best chance to win. So Rob Rossi. Our roster is our roster. Yeah, like that's just, I mean, that's a shot. Well, our roster is our roster. I don't like it, but it is what it is. Now, the the article that you were alluding to from Rossi, again, Cole's Notes version, Sullivan is pushing for a trade for Jacob Chikrin, Hextall, who, remember, got dumped from Philly because he had a bias for inaction, is being patient. 
He's holding yeah. the he's holding the fort. He doesn't want to make that big splashy move. Can you imagine if he gets fired again for being impatient? That's where you got to look inside. Every like, NHL GM is going to be like, "We're making trades." Yeah. It's like, am I too reserved? Ron Hextall of all people, <laughs> but that's what that's what is shaping up to be in Pittsburgh. So there's a story to watch. So after last night. Doesn't, uh, by the way, though, doesn't that go to show you the pressures, like the immediate pressures that a lot of GMs are on, either are, are, are under, either from their owner or from their head coach? And Mike Sullivan isn't just any old head coach. Like, he's a guy that has sway. If I was in that market, um, I would be very critical of what Hextall's doing. Because yeah. it's almost like you've gone halfway in, not mm-hmm. all the way. There's a double entendre for you yeah but it's like if you brought the band back you're obviously you're not bringing them back to whoa this is going to give us eight years of long-term stability like this is a win now team you may and you made that decision to do it right when you bring back malkin and you bring back latang for crosby you got to do everything you can to help crosby win right now because it's going to get harder and harder every year as as those three get older. Like, I get it. He's probably having some sort of defiance, being like, I'm not going to get bullied at the trade deadline. I'm not going to get pressured into making a panic trade. I'm not going to get pressured by the Arizona Coyotes. But the real pressure comes from within because he created that situation. Yeah. That was very deep. Yeah, it wasn't as deep as I think it was. Uh, But anyway, I'll be very curious to see how that plays out. And then maybe, maybe Rutherford and Alvin can circle back and, deal with the mess that they left behind in Pittsburgh and be like, time to pick up the scraps. Here's a question. Does it have anything to do with the new ownership I don't in know. Pittsburgh? That's a know. question into the Dunbar Lumber text line. I think everyone's a little bit confused what Fenway Sports wants right now. Yeah. Because they obviously gave the go-ahead to bring back Malkin and Latang. Um, so that is, that is a very good question about what ownership wants in Pittsburgh. Um the Washington Capitals. Capitals are dead, man. I think they're done. They're they're toast. I think they're done. If if, if they, they lost Anaheim last night and they traded away Orlov and Hathaway. That was the big signal for me. Alex Ovechkin did return to the lineup. And yes, they kind of got goalied by John Gibson last night, but they still lost at home to are they are the Ducks the worst team in the NHL or is that Columbus? Who cares? It's one of the like the Ducks are horrible. Having watched them stylistically, yeah. they're the worst team in the NHL. And Washington lost to them. And now if you're looking at the playoff picture in the East, the Washington Capitals actually have a lower points percentage than the Ottawa Senators, mm-hmm. who we've all written off. Washington has 60 games played. And that's only one fewer than the New York Islanders and three more than Detroit. And Washington is five points back of the Islanders and two points back of Detroit. And on top of all that, it's not just the Islanders and Detroit that they're chasing. If it was just the Islanders and Detroit that they're chasing, you're kind of like, okay, well, a lot of stuff can happen. But Florida is in that mix. Pittsburgh's in that mix. Buffalo's in that mix. All have games in hand. And too. I think just Washington, you're looking at this team playing, and I don't know if anyone watched the stadium series game in Carolina. Like, Carolina dominated them mm-hmm. in that game. And sure, they might have had some juice from playing in front of all those fans, but you'd also think that Washington would be up for that game. Yeah, they were missing Ovechkin, but this is just – it's not a very good team anymore. No. Right? They're, they're, they're like another it's, one. It's just – it's 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 finally – I guess we shouldn't 
100% count them out yet, but it's finally happening for some of these teams. I think we can, they're get, I think they're we can getting count them old, out, but I right? think we can count them out. I think so too. I think I th- they're done. I think more than by the way, so here's what last night essentially for the Capitals. 6th consecutive loss in a row. They have the longest active losing streak in the NHL. They're 3 and 7 in their last 10. They're now going to get passed by Ottawa in the standings. If you look at it right now, Ottawa's four points back with four games in hand on the Caps. They just traded away Orloff, who plays like 22 minutes a night on their blue line. They traded away a good depth guy, a guy that you actually want going into the playoffs in Hathaway. That's the white flag. That's the surrender to me. They're done. And this is weird because since we've been doing this job over the last 15 years, uh, I mentioned this yesterday. The Caps have been a perennial playoff team. They've missed once in the last mm-hmm. 15 years. They're have always the, in the mix. Have the Penguins ever missed since we've been doing this Penguins job? have the longest active playoff streak, and mm-hmm. they have not missed. I think that they'll get in barely, and then I think that they'll make an early exit, but I think that they're going to go just because I think if there's anyone that can will you to a playoff spot, it's going to be Crosby. Yeah. But it does not look good for them. Either team. And it, you're seeing a bit of a changing of the guard there, right? Because the teams that are coming on strong right now is Detroit and Buffalo, both of whom got big wins yesterday. Buffalo got a big 6-5 win in Tampa Bay. Uh, Tage Thompson with a hat trick there. His fourth hat trick of the season. And then Detroit hosted the New York Rangers, and they got a 4-1 win over the Rangers. And yet Dylan Larkin is still unsigned. Yeah. Interesting times in Detroit, and honestly... I know we've got a few Red Wings fans that listen to the show. This is the the most interested I've been in the Red Wings in a long, long time. Oh yeah, they, they, yeah. they just haven't been they just haven't been relevant for for a while now. Um, they they've you know like even when when someone brings up the Red Wings, I'm kind of like, yeah, they're a bad team. Well, t- tell me when they're good. Well, <laughs> they're winning a bunch of games. They're and, very and, intriguing. And 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 we saw them. Canucks fans saw them in back to back games, which. The Red Wings won both of those, and those were big wins for the Wings and because suddenly they were looking at that playoff race after those two wins against the Canucks and going, wait a minute, are, are we in this thing? D- Dylan Larkin went to All-Star Weekend, faced a ton of questions about his future. That's all he was asked about in Florida was, are you going to sign a contract or not? Came out of the All-Star break, shot out of a cannon, and has been unbelievable for them. Over well, the last seven games. They're the hottest team in the NHL. So last night, they officially moved into the second wildcard spot in the East. They're in there. Mm-hmm. This is the latest that the Wings have been in playoff contention and in a playoff spot since they made the playoffs six years ago. So they are a very intriguing team to watch because they're young, they're up and coming, and they've got this huge question with Larkin right now. I don't know what you do if you're Steve Eiserman. What happens if he propels them into the playoffs, and they make noise in the playoffs. Like, what's if they win a round or upset somebody in the first round? Larkin's on fire. I don't think they fire. will because they'll probably get Boston. Let's say they go up and they put a real good fight up, and everyone's like, sure. that's a team on the rise in the future. Can you just let Larkin walk in free agency? That would seem. I think they need to get it figured out before the trade deadline. Yeah, you'd hope for their sake anyway. I, I think you, you compare the situation that they're in with Boston and the situation that the Bruins are in with Pasternak, and it's kind of like the, you can't compare them because. The Bruins obviously have to keep Pasternak, right? And and he knows that. And and Pasternak probably wants to stay in Boston. Although, I was thinking about this the other day. If, let's say, Bergeron retired at the end of the season, do you think he'd consider? He'd be like, you know what? Bergeron was so important for this team. Do I, do I really? At, at any rate, I don't want to go too, too far down the yeah, road. Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying, like, I, 
I'm just saying it's 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 different. Like the Red Wings are not at the level of the Bruins, and they can't afford to risk a scenario where Dylan Larkin pulls a Johnny Gaudreau on them. Like no. they just that would cannot do that. Um, I did want to mention the West because while the West playoff race is not as interesting as the East because there aren't as many teams, um, Calgary. They got a point last night, but they should have had more. Mm-hmm. Uh, they blew, what were they up, 3-1 on Vegas, and they, they lost 4-3 in overtime? Petrangelo, 42 seconds into overtime, 4-3 so, win for Vegas against Calgary. So this is the issue with Calgary, right? They can't put back-to-back complete games together. Yeah, yeah, they, they went to Arizona to Mullet Arena, and they themselves came back from a 3-1 deficit to win 6-3. Congratulations, you did it to the Coyotes. So we were all watching to see whether or not they could do it against Vegas and put these back-to-back efforts together and it looked good for a while until it didn't, right? And this is a team that has had trouble protecting late leads Mm -hmm. and just doesn't look great right now. Minnesota, meanwhile, gets a big win. So Minnesota moves three points up on the Flames and the Wild have a game in hand. And in fact, it is Colorado now. Yeah. In the second wild card spot, they're one point up on the Flames, but the Abs have four games in hand. Now, I don't think anyone should be automatically handing the Abs a playoff spot, especially with their injury concerns. Like if Kale McCarr, if this concussion thing is potentially keeping him out long term, that changes the dynamic because they still don't have Landeskog and they still haven't made that move to replace what they lost in Kadri. So they are a different team than they were last season. But I think most of us still think like this is going to come down to Minnesota or Calgary for that final playoffs. Yeah, like Colorado's in the final wild card spot right now. But as you mentioned, a ton of games in hand. They've only played 55. I think the important thing is that they've won three in a row. And I think they're going to sort out the situation, especially with McCarr, like if he needs to go on LTIR or something. They're going to make a move. They're, they're they're a win now team. They're going to make a move going into the deadline. I get the the question is going to be of what degree and how significant it's going to be with that. You know what that that Calgary Minnesota race right now. I think it's going to come down to the goaltending because we saw the par- bring that up. Actually. We saw the parallels, the paradox between the two yesterday. Calgary started Dan Vladar. Mm-hmm. On the second of it, it was a back-to-back, right? They went into Arizona and then they had to go play Vegas. It was Vladar oh. against Brassois in yeah. that game. Honestly, that is a major statement. That yeah. They, they, they started Vladar in back-to-back games and gave Vladar the the Vegas game. In, in a That's a litmus test game when yeah. you're going into Vegas and you're playing him. Vegas is the top team in your division. Sutter goes back-to-back with Vladar. Meanwhile, for Minnesota, who's now ripped off, I think it's four wins in a row, uh, Flurry 30 save shutout. And right. then Philip Gustafson, second in the league in save percentage. Yeah, like they've they've <laughs> they've had really good goaltending. And you mentioned that they were winning all these one goal games recently. They're, the, Minnesota to me is like the Islanders of the West. They're in that playoff chase. They're not great. They've got some grip, but they're going to win one goal games and they're going to grind it out against you. And they've got good goaltending in Flurry and Gustafson. Conversely, you got Calgary. Like of all the other problems that Calgary's got. There's like throw goaltending. Oh, God, now we got to deal with this, too. Marky, we're at the 60-game mark of the season. Mm-hmm. He hasn't figured out his game. And I don't know if he's going to. Yeah. Because Sutter's kind of suggesting that, hey, desperate times call for de- desperate measures. Maybe it's Vladar time moving forward. I don't know how that's going to pan out for them. Let's do a few Ask Us Anythings into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Rob and Surrey. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure one that is going to get some opinions from the listeners. Ask Us Anything Friday, like myself. 
Do you also think that people who cheer against their own team in the hopes of improving their draft lottery odds by a minuscule amount are not only bad fans, but a little bit absent-minded as they never realize that the players themselves are always going to play to win and for their jobs next season? Is this Gary Bettman texting in? I don't <laughs> who think doesn't, who doesn't realize that though. Everyone knows that. I don't think anyone in Tank Nation thinks that it's the players that tank. I hope they nobody don't. thinks that. Nobody. And and a lot of the times when uh, I, I mean, this is my opinion on it. When the Canucks go out and win last night in the way they did, or even get a point in Nashville, it's not actual anger at the players it's anger and and it's some of its sense of humor like it's said in kind of a lighthearted like woe is me way like my god like when we need the Canucks to win they lose and when we need them to lose they they pull out these miraculous wins right mm-hmm. like that's that's all it is I don't think they're bad fans I I think I think they're fans with a different idea of how what it's going to take to get to the ultimate goal, and that's the Stanley Cup. Yep. Like, there's a guy that texts in repeatedly on the show and wonders why we have advocated for the Canucks to explore a JT Miller trade. Hmm. And I replied to him today. I was like, I was like, you you still don't get it, do you? We're not like JT Miller was really good last night. We're not saying. We're not saying that JT Miller's a bad player. We're saying that it's about the timelines for the team, and we're asking the question, okay, where do you think JT's game is going to be when the Canucks finally become Stanley Cup competitive, Mm -hmm. and then where does it progress from there? Because he's approaching 30 years old. And then the reply was like, well, I think about the here and now. That's fine. Oh, well, that's okay. the issue. A lot okay, of fans but, don't look well, long term. Well, that's where. Well, that's where we're gonna. Like, we cannot find a reconciliation. Then it's gonna be impossible. If you, if all you think, he actually wrote like the future will work itself out. <laughs> will it? The Canucks have been thinking that for with, a decade now, with, and it hasn't. With no planning, the future is just gonna work itself out. That reminds me of I had a friend that went to uh, a school in Montreal at McGill, and he had a roommate that didn't go to class. Okay. And he finally uh he f- <laughs> he finally had this final he, well he had the final exam of the season where um or of the year. Mm-hmm. And 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 my buddy goes into his room and and says, "Hey, you got to wake up. You got to you know, you got an exam." Okay. And this guy rolls over in his bed and as he does, he goes, "It'll all work itself out in the end." <laughs> He failed out. Yeah. Just go to the he, pub, get a pint. He all did not over. like he 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 had that attitude of like, yeah. well, it'll all work itself out. And for him, maybe he just didn't want to be in university, right? And like he's he's gone on and he's done well in life. It's but look, not, it's not lot, like the end of his. There are uh, a lot of Canucks fans like that. They they don't look long term. They look at as this texter said, the here and now. Yeah. This is what's happening right now. They don't think two, five, ten years down the road. And for a long time, the Canucks didn't either. And but, that's but why that, they're in this mess. But that is. But that's fine if you want to be. If you want to be like that. Because I understand that. Mm-hmm. Listen, I get it. Like I, 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 I watched the Canucks like that when I was a kid. Right? It's like, <laughs> oh, I want the Canucks to be good right now. Like, mm-hmm. and I don't understand all this. Like, you know, you need defensemen and, and centers and all that sort of stuff. And the salary cap has made it even more complicated. I didn't yep. have that as a kid. But, but don't act like 
we have the people that advocate for trades like like ah is it you know JT Miller's a good tra- player but you know is it going to match up with the Canucks timeline like don't act like we hate JT Miller because we want him traded like we are in our opinions and the fan base is doing the same way if they're on team tank like they want what's best for the organization like that's why they're advocating it it's not because JT Miller smashes his stick or has a temper like those those are some sometimes like yeah you know plus he does that but overall unless I'm misreading this like it's all about trying to get the best team possible you can together to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah. Uh, I think here's, you know, in a nutshell, Mike in West Kelowna says it pretty well. He says to all the morons out there, Michael, language. Uh, the GM and coach should ice the worst team possible to tank and then let those players play their asses off. That's fairly accurate. I mean, Tocket went a step further yesterday. We should point out that he's played Quinn Hughes 30 minutes in consecutive he games. He called this an extended training camp. Yeah, but like, that's fine. It pretty much shows you the mode that he's in, in now. It, like, is, a it danger- is weird, though, that he's playing his, his top dog so much because mm. he specifically came in and said, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. Um, actually, someone texted in with an ask us anything. Remember when Tockett said mm-hmm. he wanted to even up the ice time? Could that be a directive from above him? Like, how does he flip no, it on his head? No, I think he's doing what – I, I think they're, they're all – He's just coaching. He's just, he's just he's coaching. coaching. I also yeah. think JT Miller on, on the power play sometimes is like, I'm not coming off. So yeah, that's, but, that's but, how his ice time gets juiced sometimes. But I I also think that, that Rick Tockett is looking at some of his depth players and going, there's not much there. Like, remember he came in and he's like – uh, the the first practice wasn't Jack Studnika. Um, didn't he get the spin with PD and Kuzmenko? Yeah, he was like in the top six. he was getting that right. And now I know Studnika has been um, sick recently, lost some weight. So I'm not going to be I'm not going to be too hard on him. But has anyone seen anything from Jack Studnika that they're like? This, there's something there. No, for me, I haven't seen one thing. Right, and apply that theory to the rest of this lineup. Look, his defense includes Christian Willanen and Guillaume Brisebois right now. Like, there's a reason Hughes is playing 30 minutes a night. Those guys aren't NHL caliber guys. Uh, at forward, he had Aturatu get called up, and he put him out there for eight minutes, and that was probably the max that he felt comfortable playing him. Someone else can need that ice time. So yeah, they're icing a lot of. AHL caliber guys. Uh, and I, I think it's very unrealistic to expect Tockett to say, well, we're going to give these guys a regular spin in the name of dropping a few points percentage so that we can get a higher points percentage in the Connor Bernard lottery. It's just not going to happen. End of story. End of hour. We got to move into hour two here on the Halford and Brush on Sportsnet 650. The guests begin. Kevin Woodley's going to join us at 7.30. Joe Haggerty coming up at 7 o'clock to talk about a Bruins team that is all over the news and had a wild game, as we mentioned all the wild scores last night, a wild game against the Seattle Kraken. So we can talk about that as well with Joe Haggerty, Boston Hockey Now. That's coming up next on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.